So last week we started a new series on Tuesday nights in 1 Corinthians, and tonight we're in chapter 2. We're just going to take a chapter a week and deal with some of the highlights of what Paul is talking about to the Corinthians. So tonight we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let me just go back and just quickly review chapter 1. Paul started off telling the Corinthians that God has abundantly supplied their church at Corinth with everything that they need to carry out the will of God for them as a church. And yet as he reminds them of that, he reminds them of all their resources and blessings and all of that in Christ, that obviously he has to deal with the fact that in spite of all that, They've not taken all these resources that they've been abundantly supplied with and used them for good. They have went a different direction. And, and they have begun to look at themselves. They have begun to look at others. They have become a church of personalities. They have become a church of putting human beings on a pedestal. Um, and and it, is, it is creating disunity within the church at Corinth. And Paul had to come to them, and the very first thing in this letter, this very powerful letter he wanted to talk to them about, was the fact that there should be unity in the church, in the body of Christ. And that this concentration on human beings and on personalities and all of that is totally missing what God has for them as a people. That their focus, their their attention, their center should be on Jesus Christ. He is what it's all about. He's what every church should be about. He's what every life should be about. It should all be about Jesus Christ. And that's sort of where he left then chapter 1. When we come into chapter 2 tonight, we primarily see that Paul is building on that by telling the Corinthians and telling us what his primary message was when he came to Corinth, what were the means or methods, if you will, that he used when he got there, and what was the motive or motivation behind why he did what he did. And one of the things you're going to see tonight, because we deal with this within our Christian circles today in local churches, is there are many churches out there today, especially in America, who have the philosophy that as long as we don't tamper with the message, that we can use almost any means or any method possible in order to bring God into people's lives. One of the things you're going to see very clearly tonight is that God cares as much about the means and methods that we use as He does with the message that we are bringing. And He does care. That it is the right means, it is the right method, or else the message is going to get lost in the means and methods that you and I use. And the reason I want to point that out is because obviously, as I've said, all of these studies that we're doing are really laying the foundation for what kind of church we are and what kind of church we're going to be as the months and years go by. So first of all, Look at verse 2 where Paul reminds them of the message. He says, I decided when I came to Corinth to be concerned about nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. First of all, I want you to notice in verse 2 the word decided. 
It means a conscious choice. It means intentionality. In other words, Paul was not a minister, a servant of Christ, who just sort of haphazardly just sort of let things come to him and let things fall out. No, he was very intentional and purposeful. If you and I aren't intentional in our lives, if we don't take control of our lives in the areas of our lives, our life will can take control of us. And if we as a church don't purpose and intentionally do certain things, then we will just become what is out there, and if you will, what is always rolling down. So we've got to be intentional. And Paul was very intentional and purposeful about his message. I decided to be concerned about nothing. Also, very interesting, the word concerned here in the Greek language means a fixed residence. In other words, Paul's saying, when I came to Corinth, I camped on Jesus Christ. And that's pretty much what we talked about, was Jesus Christ and anything connected with Jesus Christ. Now, where Paul was getting flack, and you're going to see this as we move on into the chapter, is the Corinthians were sort of getting tired of that. I mean, that, that seemed a little simplistic. That seemed a little narrow as far as, can't we talk about anything else or anyone else? And it, it reminds me of, you know, we've always tried to say, we want to try to keep our ministry here simplified in Jesus Christ as well. Because many times, whether it's churches or our own lives, when we begin to put too much in there, we crowd Jesus out. And either we can't see Jesus anymore or others can't see Jesus anymore because of all the stuff that we've got surrounding Jesus. And so Paul said, when I came to Corinth, I made it very intentional and a fixed place in my life that we would know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ was all that they needed to know. In fact, Paul said back in chapter 1, verse 24, and this is going to come into play as he builds on this in chapter 2, that Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Keep that in mind. That is found in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24. So the message is clear. It is Jesus Christ. And Paul wasn't going to leave that message. He wasn't going to go to something else if it got boring, if it got unpopular, whatever. Because Paul's going to tell us that in Jesus Christ and what we teach about Jesus, there is power there to change lives. Human wisdom has no power to change lives. But God's wisdom through Jesus Christ has power to change lives. That's why then in chapter 2, after he talked about the message that he brought to Corinth, he tells us the means, if you will, or methods of how he brought that message to the Corinthians. Notice verse 1. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with superior, literally elevated eloquence. Uh, we would say high-sounding words. Or, uh, you know, when I went to school, that there were certain professors or teachers that I would say just totally talked over my head. I mean, they knew their stuff, but they couldn't communicate it on a level that I could understand it. And Paul's saying, when I came to Corinth, I didn't come with these elevated words and all of this high-sounding stuff that nobody could understand. In fact, he goes on to say, or wisdom, meaning human wisdom, as I proclaimed the testimony of God. Rather, Paul says, notice in verse 3, I was with you in Weakness. The word weakness there literally means physical frailty. See, Paul always struggled with, with feeling good, if you will. 
In fact, probably there were very few days that the Apostle Paul, as he was a missionary for Jesus Christ, probably felt good. But he did it anyway. And it reminds us that there's going to be many, maybe, seasons in our life or times in our life where, first of all, God can still use us when we're not 100%. Okay? That's encouragement. And, and, and Christians have to get past this idea that I've got to be at 100% in order to serve God or be used by God. Paul would have never served God had he had to have at least physically felt 100%. He always struggled physically. And then notice, something may be surprising to many people because we look at the Apostle Paul and, and wow, you know, Paul. But notice, Paul says, when I came to Corinth, I was also in fear. Now, not, not in an unhealthy way. What he's really saying is, guess what? I was nervous. Paul got nervous when he was there. He realized the responsibility that he had before God. And and he realized that what God had asked of him was beyond his own ability. In fact, he says, also in much trembling. The word trembling there means not trusting in one's own ability. That's why he was trembling. See, Paul never thought that what God was calling him to was something that he could do. It was only something that he could accomplish in the power that God was supplying in his life. And and I want to also say this to those of you out there who maybe struggle to step up and serve God or minister in maybe a little bit out of your comfort zone. Remember something. Paul was nervous when he served God. I get nervous After 27 years of doing this as a pastor, every time I speak, I get nervous. There is, there there is no such thing to me if you're going to do it the right way where a Christian gets to the point where when they're serving God or ministering or doing whatever God is calling them to do, that they feel like they can handle it. Because then we're relying on ourselves to do it rather than God to do it. In fact, I'll even go a step further. I think that every Christian needs to be involved in something that is beyond our own ability. In fact, I think God will call us at all times to be involved in something for Him that is beyond us. Because if we're involved in serving or ministering or living for the Lord, and we're doing something that we can do, then again, why do we need God? God always calls us like Paul to something that is beyond our own ability to accomplish so that he can work through us, so that we can see him working through us, so that others can see it's not us, it's him. Like he's going to go on to say, so that the Corinthians didn't get to the point where they were like, wow, what a preacher, Paul. No, it was wow, what a savior, Jesus Christ. See, too often in the church today, we do too much in our own power and strength and wisdom and intellect. And then man gets the credit for it. And we put people up on a pedestal. And we make Christians, you know, and all that celebrities and stuff instead of focusing on Jesus Christ and knowing nothing but Him. And it's because even when we minister and serve, we're doing it in our own power and strength. And Paul said, no, it was never that way in Corinth. 
I came to you in weakness. I came to you in fear. I came to you in much trembling. I hope that will encourage you in this sense. That if you and I serve the Lord right, we will always deal with feelings of inadequacy. With feelings of nervousness. And and this is beyond me. And uh, I can't do this. And uh, weakness. That's good. Because that means we're going to rely totally on the Lord to do it. See, Paul's, in a sense, wanting them to look in the mirror and say, what's happened to you in Corinth? This is why you're all about personalities and people in the church. Because it's not anymore about Jesus Christ. Because you're doing things in your own power and strength. And I hope this will be an encouragement to you that even though you will be nervous... And you will be having to step out of your comfort zone. That that's a good thing. That that's what God always wants. He wants to stretch us so that again, we're going to do it with Him. Not apart from Him. Without Him. And we're going to do it relying totally on Him rather than on ourselves. Notice he goes on to say in verse 4, My conversation and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. This was the means that Paul used. And this is why it's so important that we as a church use the same means so that the power of God is what is is exalted. It's what is at the forefront. Not the power and wisdom of man, which is what had become known at the church at Corinth. Since I am one, I got to talk about this word because I think it's important. It's the word preaching. That's not a popular word anymore. In fact, in a lot of churches today, they don't even call their pastors preachers anymore, and they don't even call their sermons sermons anymore. They call them talks because there's something that they feel is offensive about the word preaching. Well, The problem is, it's a biblical word. God uses the word preaching. And here's why it's very important to God. Because in that word preaching, it it means that there is an authority behind what is being said. That's primarily what the word kerugma in the Greek language means. It means there is an authoritative public proclamation of what God has said. And the reason why that's important today and why I want to bring that out is because, again, we live in a culture of Christianity that is leaning away from really preaching and teaching the Bible to just sort of discussing it. I'm not against discussing it. There's a place for that. But there's always a place in God's economy for preaching the Word. Because it is in preaching that God's authority comes through. See, like with me, it's not because it's it's my thoughts, it's what I've come up with. There's no authority in what Jeff Royce thinks. There's no authority in Jeff Royce's opinion at all. And so when we as Christians sit around going, well, I think the verse means this. Well, I think the verse means this to me. And we share each other's opinions about things. There's very little authority behind it. Because we really aren't sure. We really don't know. Well, 
Again, not that there's not a place for that, but God calls us also to publicly proclaim with authority His Word because it's His Word. It's not Jeff's Word. It's His Word. And that's what carries the authority. And that's why people sort of reject preaching nowadays because they reject authority. They reject the authority of God in their lives, even Christians. And so preaching has become a, you know... Negative thing. In fact, you and I have heard people say all the time throughout our lives, don't preach to me. And I understand where they're coming from. And obviously, you know, Christians can be obnoxious about sharing their faith or whatever. I get that. But there's also in that statement the idea of I don't want to hear it because I'm my conscience is either bothering me and I'm being convicted about something. And I, I just want to go on living my life the way I want to. Preaching. That's what it is. Sorry, I get passionate about the idea of preaching. I don't know why. But notice he does say that that this preaching was not with Paul's own persuasive words of wisdom. Remember, Corinth was a city that was greatly influenced not only by the Roman Empire, but more even by the Greek Empire. And the Greek Empire was all about wisdom. It was all about being able to articulate. It was all about great orators and all of that. I mean, they they put those people up on a pedestal. And Paul's saying, when I came to Corinth, I wasn't one of these great orators, even though Paul was a very learned man. Paul had a great education. Paul could have went toe-to-toe with probably any philosopher and orator in his time. But if he did it that way, then there would have been no demonstration, as he says, of the power of God in his message. And Paul was all about, again, not having the people at Corinth go, Wow, Paul, but wow, Jesus. That's what it was about. So that's Paul's motive then, is verse 5. That I did it, I gave you the message that I gave you, that I wanted to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I did it the way I did it, without superior eloquence or wisdom, verse 1, and in weakness, fear, and in much trembling, so that your faith would not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of God. By the way, let's be reminded that the word faith here means our strong spiritual convictions. And first of all, it means that the Bible is telling us that we need to develop strong spiritual convictions. There are many today that don't have strong convictions about God or anything spiritual. And yet one of the byproducts of our spiritual growth is going to be our continued growth in in nailing down strong spiritual convictions convictions. But Paul says, as you did that in Corinth, you were basing that on the power of God operating in your life, not human wisdom. Now at this point, what Paul has done then is talked about his message, his means, and his motivation for why he ministered the way he did when he came to Corinth. But now Paul's going to pick up on this idea of wisdom, because he wants to remind the Corinthians That where the wisdom of God is, the power of God is. Where the power of God is, the wisdom of God is. Again, I refer you back to uh, 1 Corinthians 1.24. Christ is the wisdom and power of God. And they are connected. And so Paul wants to show them this because they have gotten to a point where they've gotten puffed up in their own human pride 
in, in thinking that they're so great, and yet there's no spiritual power in the church at Corinth anymore, or very little, and there's certainly no spiritual power in their lives. And Paul's trying to say, if you guys were really tapping into the wisdom of God, then you would see the power of God operating too. Because they come from the same source. Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, the power of God. Where we are allowing God's wisdom to flow into our lives, we will also see God's power flowing in and out of our lives. And Paul said, you have become a powerless church. Think about how many churches today. Busy, active, all that. But let's talk about spiritual power. And can I just say, I hope that the Oasis never gets to the point in our history where we focus on programs and on fluff and on all these methods and, and all this stuff, and we lose Jesus Christ somewhere in all of that, and we lose the power that Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God and the power of God, can bring and bear upon this church. More than anything, we should all desire a church that when people come and are a part of it, they will leave going, God is at work there. And there is power there. And it's not human made. It's not human manufactured. It's not anything human. God is working there in their lives and in that church. There could be no greater compliment to me, to a group of Christians in a local church, than other people coming into their midst or even them recognizing that God's power is at work here. That's what the local church should be about. And we have lost our power today in the church. That's why Paul said that in Timothy, 2 Timothy, he said there will come a day where people will have a form of godliness, but they will not have the power. Powerless. Powerless. God wants us to be a people of power. And you and I will be a people of power when we allow the wisdom of God to continually flow into our lives. So let's pick that up for the next 15 minutes in verse 6. Paul says, now we do speak wisdom. Paul's saying, look, I know you guys think that I'm just this simplistic preacher who has not much to say because I'm just always talking about Jesus Christ. But he said, for those who are mature, in other words, for those who are spiritually growing and can grasp it, they realize that this is wisdom. And let's remember, the word wisdom means the skill of living life at the highest level. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom in the Bible isn't our IQ and all of that. Wisdom is being able to manage life, navigate life at the highest level. That comes through God's wisdom. And notice he goes on to say, it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are perishing. I have to point this out. The word perishing there means inability and ineffective. I couldn't help but think over the last couple of days with, again, this fiasco with our country and the leadership in Washington and whatever. Not all rulers. But I think you and I can look around the world very clearly through the spirit and through the wisdom that God gives. And we see a void of real leadership in the country and in our world today. We see an inability and an ineffectiveness of being able to come up with clear answers or at least have the courage to do what's right anymore. Well, guess what? Paul said not much different 2,000 years ago. 
Because most of the rulers of the world were not operating by God's wisdom. They were operating, trying to navigate life in their own wisdom. And he says, it's highly ineffective. They, they, will, they will come up short every time trying to come up with answers when they leave God out of the equation. Verse 7, instead we speak the wisdom of God, hidden in a mystery. He, he's simply saying, first of all, the word hidden means to escape notice. It's not that necessarily God hides His wisdom. It's the fact that it is escaping people's notice because God has revealed it in His Word. And instead of people looking at the Bible and saying, what's God say about that? First of all, they even, most people in the world doubt that God said it anyway. So it carries no authority in their life. And then even if they believe that the Bible is somehow from God, it's a pretty neglected book. Even though the Bible is still the best-selling book in the world every year, most people never really get in to the book and really find the wisdom that God has for us here. But Paul said, this is how God determined it would be. He said, God determined before the ages that this is how it would be. He would do it this way. And notice, He would do it for our glory. If we just live by the wisdom and power of God, there will be a dignity. We will be able to rise above the, the world and the circumstances and the challenges that the world faces today. But then he goes back to the rulers of the age. Verse 8. None of the rulers of the age understood it. Literally became thoroughly acquainted with the wisdom of God. Because Paul said, if they had known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. There's a good example, Paul said. You want to know why I know that the rulers of my age weren't operating by God's wisdom? Because they'd have never put Jesus, the Lord of glory, on the cross if they would have really been connected with God's wisdom. So, verse 9. Just as it is written. That's a very important word. The word written means that God wrote it so it could be continually referenced. It, it, if God didn't always want us to refer to it, then He would have never inspired it. He would have never revealed it. He would have never asked people to write it down. He would have never overseen its copying. He would have never overseen it being passed down. Yes, we have the Word of God today. If God can create the universe and sustain the universe, God can reveal His mind to man and preserve it through history. And Paul goes on to say, this written Word... In it there are things that no eye has seen or ear heard or mind imagined that are things that God has prepared for those who love Him. I couldn't help but think as I read and studied that verse that the Bible is such a great gift to us. So here again, this is why at the Oasis, we're going to make the Bible, God's wisdom, front and center of everything that we do. If 
If you need the wisdom of God in order to have the power of God, then you and I can't shove the Bible to the periphery of our ministry. We can't marginalize the Bible and somehow think that there's going to be power present in our church and in our lives. And that's true for us individually as well. You and I cannot have an unhealthy relationship with the Bible or very little relationship with the Bible and not invest our lives in it and seek to saturate our minds in it and expect God's power to flow through our lives. Because God's wisdom and power are connected. And so that's why we will spend Sundays and Tuesdays just teaching the Word. Is that all you do over there at the Oasis? Just teach the Word, man. Nothing flashy about that. Well, like Paul, he got criticized for the same thing in Corinth. Paul, we're, we're sort of getting bored with that. Isn't there something else? Paul said, here's what you're missing. You can go to other things. You as a church, you can occupy yourselves with other things, but you're going to find yourself powerless. You've already, he said, in Corinth, found yourself powerless. That's why you're all fighting with each other all the time. And there's all this disunity. Because the wisdom and power of God has disappeared from the church. So Paul goes on to say in verse 10, God has revealed these to us by the Spirit. The word revealed there is uncovered, disclosed. It's the same word that's used for the last book of the Bible. Revelation. God uncovered. God has revealed these to us, but yes, Paul goes on to say, but it's also by the Spirit. God will use the Spirit of God and the Word of God to communicate the wisdom of God. That's why Paul goes on to say, for the Spirit of God searches, literally probes, examines all things, even the deep, the extreme things of God. You and I want to know some deep spiritual truth. Guess what? Let the Spirit of God teach us. Because the Spirit of God, being God, can examine even the deep things of God. So then Paul goes on to give him an illustration. In verse 11, he says, Hey, who among men knows the things of a man except the man's spirit within him? In other words, the reason all humanity has some kind of connection to one another is because there is that basic humanness that we all share, that human spirit that we all share. And because we all share that human spirit, we all, in some ways, get other human beings. Because we share the spirit of humanity. So Paul goes on to say, So too, no one is going to know the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, Christians, but we have received the Spirit who is from God so that we may know the things that are freely given to us by God. The word know there means to become fully aware. God wants us to become fully aware of what we have. And the only way we can do that is to dive into the Word of God. So many Christians live their lives without ever really becoming fully aware of what God has revealed in His Word through His Spirit. And they're missing out, Paul says, just like you guys are at Corinth. 
And I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. I don't want us as a church to miss it out. So we're going to continue to dive in to the Bible. Because that's how we find what God has. You and I all know, I'll use this as an illustration. I've got to go quickly. Wow, I'm running out of time. I grew up in a little town in western Maryland named Cumberland. Uh, for the most part, most people, at least before my generation, uh, their attitude was, we will be born here, we will live here, and we will die here. Nothing wrong with that. Because my mom is probably going to be one of those people. So I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way, but what I am using this as an illustration is, is for this reason. It, not completely parallel, but I think you'll get the point. When any of us step out and, and allow ourselves to be stretched and we see other things, all of a sudden, what these people could never see because they were never aware of anything other than their little hometown, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Look at that, and, and there's that possibility, and there's that opportunity. And it's only because we're willing to go out and, and experience something, and when we become more fully aware, we realize what we're missing. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying don't miss out, because once you and I as Christians begin to grow in our understanding of this, we're going to go, why didn't I do this before? Man, this is so helpful and this is so good and this is so encouraging. Why didn't I become more aware of this stuff sooner? I just sat in my little, in a sense, hometown, my little comfort zone, and I never really dove into it like I should. And now that I have, wow, I'm realizing what else is out there. And notice also Paul says in verse 12, this has been freely given. Literally, it's been based on God's grace. So verse 13, therefore, Paul says, we speak about these things. Wow, that's what every church should be about. We should be speaking God's truth to each other and out loud all the time. That should be what we as Christians are about. Not with words taught us by human wisdom, Paul goes on to say, but with those taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Now notice, Paul says, the unbeliever, that person who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that person who is governed by the physical and material, but not the spiritual, does not receive or embrace the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Well, they're foolishness. Why are they foolishness? Because he doesn't have the Spirit of God. And just like... I can't understand a dog because I don't have the spirit of a dog, but I can understand a human being because I've got the spirit of a human being. Paul's saying, you and I, if we're human beings and we don't have the spirit of God, there's no way we're going to understand the things of God without the spirit. We need the spirit to understand. In fact, the Greek word for foolishness there is where we get our word moronic or moron from. There are a lot of people who are not Christians who would look at us and go, okay, now I'm not talking about me, because I can't, but I can talk about you guys. No, I mean this in a positive way. I wouldn't say anything bad. They would look at you guys and go, okay, you guys worked all day. 
And instead of going home and just putting your feet up and relaxing, you're going to a school cafeteria somewhere in the cow pastures of Southern Chandler and and you're going to listen to some guy preach about the Bible? Yeah, morons. So he goes on to say, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Only through the aid of the indwelling Holy Spirit can we understand the Bible. Because ultimately, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. What this teaches us and reminds us of is that when we're talking to someone who's not a Christian, the first step is to embrace Christ. Because they can read and study this book all they want to. They're not going to come to a thorough understanding of it because they don't have the Spirit who is the one that primarily is going to enlighten them and illuminate them and help them understand it. Now certainly there are people out there, there are even Christians, say, I have a hard time understanding the Bible. I get that. We've all been there. Just keep growing, keep doing it. Through your use of the Bible, you will become more, more proficient in understanding it, in reading it, and studying it. But then there's other people out there, when they say, I can't understand it, it's because they don't have the Spirit. And they're not going to understand it until they accept Christ and get the Spirit of God. But Paul does end with this. The one who is spiritual. And all that means is that you are led by the Spirit, which means that could be any Christian. The one who is led by the Spirit should, is expected by God to discern all things. The word discern is a very interesting word. It is used today in in what we would call crime scene investigation where someone goes into a crime scene and carefully scrutinizes and sifts through all the evidence that is there at the scene. Paul is saying to the Corinthians and saying to us, you and I who are being led by the Spirit, we will carefully scrutinize and sift through everything. That's a spiritual person. See, even though people who don't know Christ would look at Christians and go, well, you check your brain at the door and you just follow God blindly and whatever and, and you guys don't think for yourself or whatever. No, that's not true at all. In fact, the Bible says if we're going to be spiritual, we're definitely not going to be gullible. If there are people on the planet that are not gullible, it should be Christians. Because if we're led by the Spirit, we will carefully scrutinize and sift through everything before we make a decision about it. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. We're not led by our feelings. We're not going to be led by, well, all the, all the circumstances just fell into place, so it must be God's will. No, we're going to carefully scrutinize and sift through everything like an investigator would on the scene of a crime. Yet notice, Paul goes on to say, yet he himself is understood by no one. Do you know that there are people who live their lives and here's what they say. The goal of my life is I just want to be understood. Well, guess what? You're not going to be understood. If you're living your life just wanting people to understand you, especially if you're a Christian, that shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be to know God. Let God take care of the rest. And then he ends with this. 
Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise Him? Well then, how do we navigate life and how do we do it? Well, Paul's already said. God's given you the Word of God, the Bible. It's one of the greatest gifts that God's ever given. And then He gives every Christian the indwelling Holy Spirit. And Paul's saying, if you put those two together and you continue to to make getting into the Word and being led by the Spirit a priority, Paul said, you and I will get to the point where we will be able to literally be advised, counseled by the Lord. The word advised here means... And I know this is a long definition. Hang in there with me. The word advised here means the ability through the Spirit to put all the pieces together and come to a conclusion. That's what it means. And Paul's saying through the Spirit of God and the Word of God, that's what every Christian has the capacity and the ability to do. To be able through the Spirit to put all the pieces together and then look at it all and come to a conclusion. That should be encouraging. There are many Christians out there just groping, trying to just, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And Paul said, guys, God never meant it to be that way. There's no power in living that way. There's no wisdom evident there from God. God wants you to be a people filled with His wisdom and power and to be able to know the things that are freely given to us by God. And then Paul ends with this great, again, word of encouragement to the Corinthians and to us. We have the mind of Christ. Wow. And by the way, the word have there means permanent possession. It's not like God gives us His mind and then goes, nope, taking it away. Have. We hold in our possession all the time the mind of Christ. Literally, it doesn't mean that we know everything that the Lord of glory, Christ, knows. It means that you and I have the capacity for spiritual truth. We have the capacity through God, through His Spirit, through His Word, through Christ, the power and wisdom of God, to be able to look at life, navigate it at its highest level, by being able at every situation to scrutinize and sift through all the stuff, put it out there on a table, examine it, put it all together, and then come to the conclusion that's right for God and right for us. And Paul is basically saying, so Corinthians, (laughs) step up! Be the church that God wants you to be. A church filled with His wisdom and His power. May we at the Oasis be a church that's known for the wisdom of God and the power of God. But may it never, may it never lift us up like it did the Corinthians in pride. As if somehow we're better than anybody else. Because we're not. It's only because of Christ But God does expect His people and His churches to be filled with wisdom and power. May that be our goal as a local church. Now, until Jesus comes. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Let's pray. God, I thank You for this wonderful group of people that You are bringing here so that we get to do this together. They are such an encouragement to me as the pastor of this church. I I just, God, pray that in a way that only you can, that you would just bless these folks. To have a group of people today in this world and in America that so hungers for your word, that wants to know your wisdom,
that, that, that makes the effort to be out on Tuesday night when we could be doing so many other things and, and even being so faithful on Sunday. And even though, Lord, we talked about commitment and we challenged all of us with commitment, Lord, I thank you for the commitment of these folks and just pray that you would continue to grow at this church a committed people to you. A people who aren't going to get caught up in the, the fluff. Who aren't going to get caught up in stuff that's going to drown and, and put Christ somewhere to the side, but that it's all going to be about Jesus. And it's all going to be about His Word. And Lord, allow the power that only comes through Christ and Your Word to just flow through us. God, may Your wisdom and power just envelop each of us throughout the rest of this week. Tomorrow, give us the wisdom and power that we need to get through Wednesday. And, and God, get us through this week and just energize us to come back on Sunday and once again, just be together in Your presence with Your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, have a great rest of the week. God bless you.